Our scripture that was read earlier came from Paul's letter to the Galatian church, the sixth chapter, and the reading commenced from the seventh through to the tenth verses. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Years ago, a man was building a house in a very rural area. Needing water for his new home, he commissioned an expert to dig a well for him. The old well digger, seasoned in the art of his trade, scouted out the property, searching for the right place to sink his shaft. Sure enough, he found an underground river and was able to put the well in. But before leaving, he said to the homeowner, every day, every single day, you must pump some water from the well. If you don't, you will be sorry. The homeowner thanked the well digger, and for weeks he followed the man's advice, and he pumped water every single day. As time went on, the homeowner began to take the cool water from the well for granted. One day he left for a trip and forgot to get someone to pump a little water for him every day while he was away. When he returned, the water at the bottom of the well was stagnant and almost gone. He tried pumping fresh water, but nothing came out. He pumped and he pumped, but nothing came out. So he called the well digger and told him that the well had dried up. The old man asked, did you remember to pump water from the well every day? The homeowner confessed his neglect and asked why that even mattered. The well digger replied, you see, the water in the well comes from an underground river that feeds the small tributaries of water which are connected to your well. Water must continue to flow through these tributaries so that the well can receive water. If you quit pumping the water, the ground will dry up slightly and the underground river cannot find its way to your well. This cuts off the water supply. The old man concluded, remember, the source of the water is the river, not the well. Likewise, if the source of your spiritual strength is the well of your own resources, such as your job or your bank account or your finances or things of that nature, in the very same way, you risk your well running dry. And so today I want to talk about your resources in the context of sowing and reaping, hoping that you will see that God has given you everything you need for what it is you are to do in his kingdom. I've thus titled this message, So What? So What? Let us pray. Father, we've come to the preaching hour. 
Now, Lord, open up the hearts and minds of your people that they may receive what thus saith the Lord. I do not speak on my own. I speak because I was sent. Now, Lord, let it be that my words be edifying to your people as I have been called to feed. This we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. There is a difference between source and means. Our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our intellect, even our bank accounts are simply the means by which God, who is the source, is able to provide us with his many blessings. In fact, the Bible tells us that God, in his mercy, provides for our every needs according to his riches in glory. This means that if we are to experience God's abundant blessings, if we are to experience all that God has in store for us, if we are going to walk in the abundance that God has promised to us, then we have to first see him as the source of every blessing. It is why the hymnist has said to us, Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing calls for songs of loudest praise. In other words, the blessings of God is a fountain of water blessing us with streams that flow endlessly, causing us to shout and to give him and only him the loudest praise. He is like a spring of pure water, bringing peace into our hearts, cleansing and refreshing our minds and our bodies. He pours water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. He, he has compassion and he guides and leads us beside streams and springs of still water. And he gives water without cost from the wellspring of who he is. That's what God promises. This is what God offers to every one of us. This is what God says and this is is what God delivers. He is the source. God is the source. I cannot overemphasize it. For many of us, we fall into the traps and those places thinking that we are our own sources and we got where we are due to our own strength. But if it had not been for the Lord Jesus Christ on our side, if it had not been for the grace of Almighty God, you wouldn't be where you are right now. God is and God will always be the source of our lives. And what God says he will do, he does. For God is not a man that he should lie. So there's a big difference between the source and means. There is no means without a source. And the only source is God. And as children of God, we have been spending too much time depending on our means and not on the source. We're living just like that homeowner looking at a dried up well and wondering when will the water come. We're spending too much time at the stagnant wells blaming God for problems in our lives waiting but the water never comes. We're spending too much time at a stagnant well hoping to be refreshed by a new job opportunity 
waiting, but the water never comes. We're spending too much time at a stagnant well, hoping to be quenched by a new relationship, thinking it will make our lives better. Waiting, but the water never comes. Spending too much time at a stagnant well, dreaming to be showered by a caring parent, thinking it will make you feel better about yourself. Waiting, but the water never comes. The water never comes because the tributaries of your wells have dried up. The tributaries of opportunities have dried up. The tributaries of hope have dried up. The tributaries of love have dried up. And the tributaries of faith might have just dried up in your life. And when your tributaries have dried up, you pump and you pump and you pump, but nothing comes out. This is what many of us are experiencing in our lives because we've not been diligent in drawing just a little water from the well of God every day. Just a little bit every day. This is why we see stagnation in our spiritual, emotional, and physical lives. We come to church and we pray, and we do what we think God expects us to do, but nothing happens. The problem is not God, my brothers and sisters. The problem is that your tributaries have run dry. We spend time only drawing from the well of God's love, only when we get in trouble. But when things are going well in our lives, that's the perfect time to keep drawing just a little bit from God's well every single day. So how do we fix it? How do we fix it? How do we get our tributaries to open again so that we can draw the fresh and living water from the wellspring of God? Well, I am glad you ask. Remember I said at the beginning that there's a difference between the means and the source and that you need to understand that your source is and always must be God. Well, Paul gives us the clue in something that is called the law of divine reciprocity. That's right, the law of divine reciprocity. We see in our text it says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life. There are three clues, three clues to opening our tributaries in this law of divine reciprocity. And the first clue is to recognize that you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Now, we all say this, and we've all heard it, but I want to make sure that you understand exactly what I'm saying when I say you reap what you sow. Everything, the Bible tells us, produces after its own kind. As a matter of fact, in Genesis 1, chapter 1, and the 11th through the 12th verses, it says, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. God said, The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according 
to their kinds. You jump down to verse 21. It says, so God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And finally, in verse 24 and 25, it says, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kind. So the point that I'm making, church, is that everything produces after its own kind. And because this is true, there is an exact match between the kind of thing you sow and the kind of thing that you reap. If you sow an apple seed, you can only reap a tree that produces apple fruit. If you sow pear seed, you can only reap a tree that produces pear fruit. You cannot sow something and expect something else, for everything produces after its own kind. Therefore, if you today are reaping something that you do not like in your life, make no mistake about it. Look at what you have been sowing. If you're reaping something that is not something you care to have in your life, make no mistake about it. Look at what you are sowing. If you are reaping drunkenness, you just might have been sowing alcoholism. If you are reaping obesity, you might have been sowing poor eating habits. If you're reaping debt, you might have been sowing consumerism. If you're reaping quarrelsome and cantankerous relationships, it just might be that you are the one that has been sowing seeds of discord within your own family and relationships. You might be sowing Something that you are reaping that you do not want. But the word is true. You reap what you sow. Whatever it is that you are reaping right now in your life is directly related to what you have been sowing because everything produces after its own kind and you reap what you sow. The second thing to recognize is not only that you reap what you sow, but you always reap more than what you sow. I'll say that again. You not only reap what you sow, but you always reap more than what you sow. You don't need to be a skilled farmer to know that sowing a small seed produces a tree that bears fruit, which turns around, yields even more seed. The harvest you get out of sowing one seed after the tree is grown produces even a greater amount of seed for even more sowing. Can you imagine with me for a moment what it would be like if you planted one apple seed and when the tree grows, it produces only one apple on the tree? Think about that for a moment. Now, I know it sounds ludicrous, but the emphasis that I'm trying to make is that you don't only sow one seed and get one fruit. You sow one seed and you get many fruits. That's the point. You always reap more than what you sow. You can't plant one thing and expect one thing in return. The law of reciprocity makes it very clear. You reap what you sow, but you will always reap more than what you sow. God set it up this way, 
that if you have faith enough to invest a small and tiny seed the way God says to do it, then he guarantees that you can expect a harvest that will be exceedingly and abundantly more than what you initially invested. This is a fact, and every farmer knows this to be true. God himself guarantees that you will always get a return on your investment, but not just a return on your investment. God is the great investor, so you will always get a dividend upon your return. The sad truth, though, however, is that it also works in reverse. I want you to hear me, church. Meaning that whatever it is that you are reaping right now in your life that you do not like, and which seems to be overwhelming you right now in your life, it is directly related to the fact that you're also receiving an abundance, an overabundance of what it is you've been sowing. This again is because you always reap more than what you sow. Now I want to sit here for a moment because I want you to understand what I'm telling you, church. I just told you that you reap what you sow. And I also told you that you reap more than what you sow. So the text is telling us that if you are sowing good things, you're going to reap what you're sowing, and you're going to reap it in abundance. But if you're sowing something that is not good, the law of reciprocity must always be true. Why? Because God is not mocked, and whatever a man sows, he shall reap. So if you're sowing seeds of discord and envy and jealousy and strife and wickedness and maliciousness, if those are the seeds you are sowing, you're going to reap what you sow, but you're also going to reap and more abundance of what you have sown. The law is true whether you're sowing good seed or bad seed. You must understand if you're having a lot of problems in your life, it's an overabundance of the small seeds that you have been sowing. The third and final thing to recognize in this divine law of reciprocity is not only that you reap what you sow or that you reap more than what you sow, but this is critically important, you reap after you sow. You reap after you sow. I want you to understand you can't expect to eat apples if you did not sow an apple seed. Meaning that whatever it is you're expecting from God necessitates that you sow something in accordance with what it is that you expect to receive. Everything produces after its own kind. Secondly, whatever you sow, you can expect to reap an overabundance of it at the time of harvest. This is true whether you sow good seed or bad seed. If you're reaping a lot of problems in your life, you must take a hard look at what it is you have been sowing. But despite all of that, despite what it is you have sown, and despite what it is that you are reaping, the truth of the matter is, God honors his word. And because God honors his word, the plain and simple truth is that based on the law of divine reciprocity, you will only reap after you have sown. Many people are experiencing very frustrating times in their lives, not because they've done anything wrong or not because God is angry with them or not because you have bad luck if you believe in those things. The simple truth is, I have not sown anything. Listen to me very clearly, church. Your problem is not necessarily that God is choosing not to answer your questions or your prayers. That's not what's going on. It just may be that you have not given God anything to work with. How idiotic is it? 
for the farmer to go out to his orchard or his vineyard at harvest time, waiting for trees to grow when he did not even plant one seed. As idiotic as it may sound, I'm telling you that I really believe that this is what is happening to many of us in the church today. You're looking to reap a harvest where you have not sown anything. The divine law of reciprocity is true because it's God's law. And God is not a man that he should lie. So if it seems that God is not responding, it may very well be that you have not sown anything into his kingdom. The bottom line when it comes to understanding this divine law of reciprocity is that you reap what you sow. You reap more than what you sow. But you only reap after you have sown. But the question now, so what? So what? Now this is a play on words if you haven't figured it out yet. I don't mean S-O what. I mean S-O-W what. So what? Well, I started this message by making the argument that many of our tributaries have dried up like the homeowner in the story. We're standing at stagnant wells looking for a bounty of fresh water to come into our wells and into our lives. When the tributaries of our lives have dried up, it, it, it's the means that have been impacted, but the source has not changed. When your tributaries have dried up, it's the means that have been impacted, but the source has not changed. So while the source is still available and always ready, the truth is, with dried up tributaries, it does not even matter what you have been sowing because nothing will get through to you from the source. You need to have your dried up tributaries cleared. And to do that, you need to know what to sow. You need to know what to S-O-W. You're talking about seeds, Pastor. What seeds do I need to S-O-W? What seeds do I need to sow? Well, I want you to think about three right kinds of seeds. The first seed, the first seed is the S, which stands for sacrifice. You need to sow a seed of sacrifice. The scriptures tell us that unless a seed falls and dies, it cannot bear any fruit. So to reap the kind of harvest you are looking for in God means you're going to have to make a sacrifice. If you want a financial harvest, you have to make a financial sacrifice. Now notice, I did not say you have to make a financial contribution to the church. I say you have to make a financial sacrifice. The harvest you desire is going to have to cost you something. But take heart. Because even though it's going to cost you something, you reap what you sow. And not only do you reap what you sow, but you reap an abundance of what you sow. But it's only after you sow. So the first seed is the seed S of sacrifice. I hope you're hearing me, church. You got to sow the first S, which is the seed of sacrifice. The second seed is the O. The O, which stands for ownership. This is important because we and not other people have to be responsible for the outcomes we desire. You cannot expect to reap from the orchards of where other people 
have sown. You have to sow your own seeds. You have to be responsible for your own garden. You have to be responsible for your own orchard. And the sooner you understand this, the better off you will be. So the point is, not only do you have to make a sacrifice, but you have to own the role in which you play for your harvest. And finally, finally, the third seed is the W, which is the waiting. Besides the sacrifice that you have to sow and the ownership seed that you have to sow, you also have to sow the seed of waiting. Waiting. This might be the hardest seed of all. It is the hard because as every farmer knows, after you've sown your seeds, there is not much else you can do but to wait. You see, sure you can water the soil. Sure you can fertilize the soil. Sure you can till and cultivate the soil. But as far as the growing of the seed goes, you have to wait for nature to take its course. This is a real challenge and why the scriptures remind us, do not get weary in well doing for in due season you shall what reap your reward if you faint not if you not give up if you stay the course yes if you planted the seed you gotta wait wait on the lord i say wait for he is faithful and this is hard but it is quite necessary so church the question is if you're looking for a divine harvest from god in your life then you need to sow the right kind of seed because everything produces after its own kind. You also have to sow the right kind of seed knowing that it will produce more than what it is you have planted. And finally, you have to sow the right seed for you won't reap anything if you have not sown. And the right seed is the S-O-W, sacrifice, ownership, and waiting. That's the S-O-W that you sow. The sacrifice, ownership, and waiting. That's what you sow. That's the right kind of seed. And that seed would always produce the harvest you desire. Now, now you all say to me, Pastor, you're preaching. You're preaching real good. But where? Where? Anywhere in the scriptures do we have an example where somebody S-O-W'd the right seed? Where, where in scriptures do we have an example where someone S-O-W, the right seed? Well, I'm glad you asked. For the fact is, Jesus himself modeled this kind of sowing when he went through his sacrifice. When he died on Calvary's tree, the S was his sacrifice on Calvary's tree. But it didn't stop there. It said he showed us his ownership when he said to Peter, put away your sword. Shall I not drink the cup? that the Father has given to me. Jesus took ownership. He sowed the seed of ownership knowing that the sacrifice was going to be his destiny. And finally, finally, he showed us his waiting when he laid in that borrowed tomb and rose three days later. Yes, he died. Yes, he died. And they buried him. But three days later, he rose again. And what you need to understand is, <laughs> here it is, when they died and they tried to bury him, what they did not know was that he was a good seed. You see, they buried the good seed, that he was God's own seed. And when he rose from the grave, he bore so much fruit that all those who would come to faith in his finished work would have their tributaries cleared and are able to have their wells 
filled with streams of living water. Water straight from the source. Jesus paid it all. He opened up your tributaries and he opened up mine. And because he opened up our tributaries, we have direct access to the source of God. When the veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom, it opened up the way into God's throne room. And you and I, we have direct connect to the source through Jesus Christ. So don't worry about your tributaries. If you come to faith in Jesus Christ, the fact is Jesus said, and I'm reminded, Jesus said, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become to them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Church, it is for you to now S-O-W, the good seed of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will never thirst again. You will reap that harvest. And that harvest is everlasting life. But the fix is in. The fix is in. Everything produces after its kind. And what if you have not heard anything else I've said in this message? Hear this one thing to be true, church. So Jesus so Jesus. His sacrifice is your sacrifice. His ownership is your ownership. His waiting is yours. Weeping may endure for a night, but the joy does in fact come in the morning. And what I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, you can't fix your tributaries on your own, but you've got an ace in the hole. You've got a good seed that was already planted over 2,000 years ago. And that seed is bearing fruit in you and me today. But you must, you must come to faith first. You must come to faith first. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.